Being of service is the one surefire cure for happiness. If you're in a bad mood, go out and do something for somebody else and you're gonna feel better. Hello, I'm Ed Begley Jr. I'm willing to do anything to help the planet. I think getting a LEED Platinum certification is better than getting a winning lottery ticket. I think my family showers should be timed and I love my wife. I'm Rochelle Carson Begley and at least my showers are shorter than the time it takes to actually heat up the water. And I love Ed. In this week's Begley-esque, actress Beth Grant joins us to talk about punching Mindy Kaling in the face. Wow. Wow. Hey, you know what? We gotta say thank you to HelloFresh for supporting our show, Begley-esque. They really are very nice to be part of it. Our listeners will receive $35 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code GOGREEN. Yeah, that's HelloFresh.com and use the offer code GOGREEN for $35 off your first week of deliveries. Thank you. Thank you, you HelloFresh. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, HelloFresh. <laughs> All right, well, we're back for another episode of Begley-esque. Yay! So the day that we're recording is special because of a couple things. First, it's World Wildlife Day. Really? Big hand for that. Yay! Oh, wow. It's a day to celebrate, bring more awareness to all the Earth's animals and plants. If you want to learn more about it or how you can help, go to wildlifeday.org. So happy World Wildlife Day, everybody. But today is also very special because our dear friend, actress, producer, director, Beth Grant is here with us. Oh, I love you guys so much. Beth, you're one of the greatest character actors out there and you got your start in Rain Man, as I remember it. We've known <laughs> yep. each other a long time, but that was your big break. That was a that great was moment That was one that you changed had. everything. Yep. You made the most of it, my darling. God bless you. Well, actually, <laughs> I saw stuff. you in a play uh, where you played a hillbilly woman. I know that was your, really your first break, was it not? Holy cow, did you yeah, see that? Yeah, I saw that? that. I did, and you were amazing. Oh. She's always been amazing. Yeah. Donnie Darko, No Country for Old Men, Little Miss Sunshine, the artist Jackie, the Mindy Project. She works and works, and why? Because she's so damn good. Oh. She is definitely great. And all of those, I mean, you've been in a lot of movies that are Academy Award winning movies, too, or I've Academy nominated. Yeah. Three best pictures, three best pictures, and What's a best animated. Nominator? Oh, what the common denominator? It would be Beth Grant. Is that exactly. what you want? <laughs> Bless you. I love my friends. And I have the same birth year, same month. We're yeah. both Virgos. I know. Right. I like you anyway. <laughs> I do like you anyway. And, you know, Beth, what was it like punching Mindy Kaling in the face? Oh, that's the funniest thing because you would never have thought I would become a series regular having broken her nose, right? Yeah. Uh, She's a little perverse. I so. did love that script, though. I, I read the script and I knew just what to do with it. And uh, <laughs> I was a little bit mad at the casting director because we were old friends and she made me audition. How dare she? She did. Yeah. So I went in there with a chip on my shoulder and then we get in there, Jeannie McCarthy, the wonderful Jeannie McCarthy, yeah. fabulous in every way. And she said, I think you need a prop. I mean, never in my life have either of you ever had a casting director give you a prop. No, they take never. your props away. Never. And she said, they, she brought me some almonds, a little. I thought, almonds? Okay, fine. I'll show you how to eat an almond. And I started eating almonds. I threw them up in the air, caught them in my mouth. And I swear, I think that's why I got the job. It is why I can tell you right now. Because <laughs> you're bold. That's why. And after they made me a regular, I sent her an almond of every description. Very every sugar-coated, chocolate-covered, coffee-covered. So I'm very grateful to Jeannie McCarthy. For, wow. Even though it infuriated me at the time. Well, Are there qualities in a project that you look for when you decide to take a part or pursue a part? Well, the offer is yeah. usually the thing I look me for. Too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, number one they, would they, they want me. Exactly. They want me. 
I mean, I don't do anything that I feel is really unethical or, you know, immoral. Um, but my ethics are pretty low. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but there are times, like, I didn't want to have to once eat a dead body. I did turn down. Did you? One. Yeah, well, I was a vegan at the time. Yeah, so yeah, that would be There a, was no way. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, um, I like all kinds of characters, all kinds of stories, all kinds of genres. And I love to act, you know. It's I just that know. thing. It's nothing more fun in the world. And nothing like an offer. You don't shy away from very serious uh, material, though. You were in Consume. That was about GMOs. And what yes. was that like for yes, you? Yes, that was a very important film for me. It was so funny. They called and offered me that. And I happened to be having lunch at uh, Quantum Leap in the village in New York wow. when they called and offered me that. Really? And I said, obviously, I'm supposed to do this it's movie. It's meant to be. Yeah. Zoe Lister-Jones and her husband director, wonderful Daryl Ween. I love them both so much. I saw it. Wonderful, important film. Well, you came and supported it. That's right. And, uh, and you tweeted about it and supported the film. We did. And it's still out there. It's on Netflix, and uh, it has a lot of important things. It just asks questions. It's not you know, preachy, and it's not like saying this is 100%. It just asks the questions. What are we eating? What are we yeah, putting in our bodies? Yeah, you want to keep doing that kind of research, do it in the lab, but what's going on out in the world there with this stuff that we're all starting to eat, the corn and the soy and all those well, products. Well, maybe you should clarify what a GMO is. Genetically somebody, modified organism, one. GMO, genetically modified organism. And that is... It, the, it, well, what it, they do is, yeah. you know, rather than nature making its own strands of DNA, they go in and they inject a virus into the nucleus of a cell that has a different strand of DNA in it to make a, a tomato that will withstand uh, frost better because it's, there's a gene from a fish that can stand the frost of the Arctic Circle. They do things like that. They take right. a gene, a strand of a gene, you know, the letters A, G, T, C, all those letters in different orders, and they take a strand and then, as I said, attach it to a virus, put it in the nucleus of a cell, and that's pretty serious work well I mean, like they think that, that their motives maybe were altruistic in that they were trying to deal with world hunger and lack of food and all that right i mean that was sort of it didn't work out well for a lot of the farmers in india they they got hooked on the gmo seeds they gave them to to them for very little free at first and then once they were hooked on the that kind of practice very different from their centuries old practices then the price went up and up and they would lose their farm and so they kill themselves a lot of farmers in india by drinking the pesticide the monsanto roundup well that's uh, anything but uplifting but that's not to <laughs> <laughs> well, what's up but you asked i but did we're, but we're talking happen. about it and we're making movies about that's it and true. people are asking questions and having peaceful marches and yeah. um, you know but but to go into change one kind of food or plant to another. There's nothing wrong with that. Like Gregor Mendel did it many years ago. He's a father of genetics. Nothing wrong with genetics. You take and you take one pea and, you know, take some of the pollen and marry it to another pea, if you will. You make broccoli out of whatever broccoli. it's made out of Cauliflower kale. Cauliflower and, and asparagus. Exactly. Yeah, broccoli. I think it is. That's right. And you make different plants and that's wonderful. That's like Rodin creating a statue out of stone. That's beautiful. You shave off here and right. do there. But the what they're doing with GMOs is making this weird sculpture with a machine and fling it with a catapult into the window of the Louvre and hope it lands upright in a pedestal. Oh, my God. Ed with the metaphors. I tell you, my life. My life and the metaphors. Your life is so yeah. much better. Because but I, You know, Beth, you're from my neck of the woods. Yeah, we're Georgia peaches. We're Georgia peaches. And, you know, I love that you still have an accent because that when I moved to New York, they were like, get rid of that accent. 
but you have been. How able- did you used to talk? I want to I hear talk, it. I sort of like like this, you know, not very not not, not, not extreme, real, not extreme, but you know, I mean, y- y'all going down there, you going yonder. I'd never said yonder. I don't know where that came from. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. Now we know. We're fixing to go. You're a hillbilly. Well, I'm a hillbilly. You're no Georgia Peach. I'm from Atlanta, <laughs> the sophisticated South. I used to have a, a New York mm. accent. I grew up on Long Island for grade school, and so I talked like all everybody in the neighborhood, Merrick, Long Island. I talk like that. Now, when I try to do it, it sounds entirely false. I don't know how. <laughs> I, I, you I have a couple same. words. You do. Yeah. He has uh, anything. Anything <clears throat> is uh, his word. That's right. And Eth- everything. Everything. Anything. anything. But um, and beautiful, yeah, it's beautiful. That's right. But I think being from the South, as I will add, I'm sure everyone feels this way from their own hometown. But we, there is a connection to the earth. I, I you know, we live yeah. in a more rural area. Yeah, exactly. When you're loading up your still, you have to, you get <laughs> nice. all the right plant material, put it in the bottom, we got you get the flame now. going. You've got some nice logs going that you've harvested from the holler, right? <laughs> Down up. yonder. Yeah. Down yonder, over uh, yonder, yonder it comes. Up. No, honey, that's your family. <laughs> Stills belong to your family. If you only knew. Believe me, if they could have um, had a still, they would have, all yeah. of my family members, the Irish ones and the American ones. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, you know, we've had a bit of an influence on your environmental. great influence on me. Ed riding around on his bicycle all these years and me passing him in my big gas-guzzling <laughs> SUV. I go, huh. Maybe I ought to at least think about getting a hybrid. And now I have a plug-in hybrid. You're my hero. I love you, Beth Graham. And I did it. I mean, I was totally influenced by you guys. And the fact that you built this greenhouse. I mean, our house isn't completely green, but certainly everything that we add to it. You've done a lot. I've been to your house. The floors that we have are linseed oil and cork. And they are a green product. And then we, you know, have the original wooden floors, of right. course. Uh, but, yeah, we have all drought-resistant native plants. Good for and, you. Uh, yeah, I remember when they took out your lawn. That was great. That was a big deal. Michael did the front yard, and then we hired somebody to help us with the backyard. Smart. It was a little After bit that, there. Yeah, it's but a Ed, lot of work. Ed came over and gave Michael advice and helped him uh, know where to go to find the native plants. And it's just beautiful, by it the is, way. It is. It is not a house. sacrifice. No. It's all overgrown now mm. and bushy and their trees and flowers there's always something blooming yeah uh, you know anytime one thing goes away for the season another one pops up and so we're just thrilled with it and in fact we have the Juilliard party the reunion party every year uh, for the graduates at our house and uh, the president of Juilliard came right after we'd put wow. the backyard in and he was very impressed and he was saying I was passing these areas and these big green lawns and those sprinklers going off. I thought there was a drought out here. There is. And uh, he wrote a book called Artist as Citizen. I said, does this count? Is Are we mm-hmm. artists That's as what citizens? We are. Yes, you are. Artists. But I think we are. We you have a responsibility are. to lead. Well because, done. you know, you on that bike shone a light on what we all needed or on the bus uh, right. yeah. that we all needed to be doing and we, paid we just attention. thought he was crazy and he is crazy that is a gift he was crazy, crazy about you honey yeah, but right. he was cute too he the girls did like it if you remember <laughs> there yeah. was a long line oh, waiting no, there was a long line <laughs> I, loved I had to hero. beat them all off him. but also somebody like you you're such an enigma you're such a glamorous woman and so beautiful hello everyone too bad this isn't video and yet and- you married this guy so you obviously have this heart in this sense of responsibility and I, you aren't who you seem Rochelle Carson Begley <laughs> he nerd. made me laugh if he hadn't made me laugh well we always like to say one of us would be in an orange jumpsuit because 
<laughs> it has the habit, ladies and gentlemen, of when they come to a dinner party at your house as they're leaving, he says, I apologize for Rochelle. <laughs> Which always tickles me. Yeah. Always at my expense. Thank you very much. No, but the, they're no, just, no. I caught them one day. They were all kissing and having, and I've got about eight pictures in a row. Uh-oh. Did you really? I Burn sure did. I need to pay high price I've for those pictures. i got proof in the pudding. Oh, my gosh. Well, love birds. Now, you know, uh, there's so much, I mean, there's so much that you've done. And you've not only been an incredible actress and activist and all those things, but you've also produced, you, know, you starred in <laughs> Blues for Willa, oh, Willa Dean. Thanks for mentioning you that. Know? That's a and very important that's film another, to me. another really Domestic Im- violence. What? Yes, we were dealing with domestic. Such an important The issue. wonderful Octavia Spencer stars in it. Dale Dickey and the three of us women and... We shot in Atlanta and mm-hmm. Little East Point, and uh, my cousin Bobby Reardon uh, was the main producer and raised local money in Atlanta right after they had, and it was just so moving to me. We helped the Georgia Coalition uh, against uh, domestic violence, wow. and we've helped the national branch, I mean, the national organization, right, right, and then right. the Virginia branch, and many branches, are, they use it as fundraisers. They'll screen the movie, and if possible, one of us will fly in, and they do it as a fundraiser for the local chapters. And In fact, if anybody's listening and they're interested in that, um, Terrence Malick has a company that uh, you can look up, just Google Terrence Malick, and you'll find the company that has the distribution. You can put together your own screening and fundraising and they only take 10 percent. they're just doing it to get the word out the numbers are staggering imagine if a 747 went down every month i think those are the numbers of women who die at the hands of someone that they know it's not some stranger coming up trying to rob them it's somebody a guy at work a guy they dated a guy they're married to yeah one 747 full of people a month i would hope it would get our attention that's what's happening and 25 percent of women have experienced some form of uh, domestic violence. Yeah. And we've grown, either we grew up with it or we have mm-hmm. a sister. And it's just the norm. A, and now people are saying, well, there's so many litigations and so many people are crying, you know, women, you can't do anything in the workplace anymore. You, the truth is, is that things are not acceptable anymore. And that's beautiful. And it's, you we're know, we're finding our way. We, we are happening. finding our way. Yeah, we're spiraling up. I, yeah, I like to think I like we're to spiraling think. up. Right. When I grew up in the 50s, you know, you'd watch a movie and the guy slaps the wife and you don't think that you think that's sort of part of the relationship. Right. Well, it's not like that now. So we've spiraled. And you need to stop slapping me. OK, yeah, that'll be the day when I put a hand on you. I have a feeling there's a fish coming back. That wouldn't work out very well for me at this no, point. That I don't work think. Out for you. But look at the great work also that my friend Gina Davis is doing starting mm-hmm. earlier than that, that wonderful group called C. Jane. Not see Jane run, but just see Jane. Like you don't really see Jane even in kids' shows. There's always a you know a Jack, but there's never a Jill. There's rarely a, a, a Jane in different kids' shows, and it starts there. And women are not represented in a lot of the media that we see in the kids, you know, art and all kinds of songs and books and you name it. So she's working to change that and get yeah you know get women better represented in you know the earliest kind of literature I think but it also a, starts with people like yourself you know who produce direct put their money where their mouth is like you know and so are there any other projects that you're working on just well po- i'm happily uh producing a series of othello called operation othello which is 
definitely feminist based. We're working mm-hmm. with the wonderful Viola Davis and Julius Tennant's company. Those are pretty good people Juvie to be Production. Pretty good with. people. Yeah. Wow. And this week, I mean, I, did she or did she not give the best the speech, best speech ever, ever? Yes. Ever. Ever in the Academy the history of the Oscars. Yep. And she's so honest about who she is. And Julius is just as wonderful. They're the most beautiful couple. They're such great leaders. Mm. And we've been developing that. Uh, we just had a table read this morning awesome. for eight months. And we're hoping to shoot in virtual reality. And so we've been meeting with uh, various, virtu- we're working with Here Be Dragons, Chris Milt's company, and we've been up to Menlo Park at Oculus Rift, and boy, is Facebook, they have the coolest campus. They serve 13,000 people, 43,000 meals a day for free. What is I said, this? I want to move in. I don't even know the anything Facebook about The Facebook campus where they were, there are 13,000 employees, uh-huh. and they have, it was designed by the same guy that designed uh, California Adventure. Oh. So they have every kind of food that you could ever imagine, and it's all free. They keep their employees very happy. Oh, but you have to be an employee. Ugh, got to get a job. And everything Damn. is recycled. Well, I think you might be able to just go from restaurant to restaurant. No one would ever be the wise one. <laughs> you could probably live you there. You need a job. They need waitresses there. So. <laughs> and I know how to wait tables. Yes, you do. <laughs> I probably have been more employed as a waitress than anything, haven't I, Eddie? There, I set you up. I, I even did the punchline. <laughs> as line. God is my waitress, she's telling <laughs> the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's incredible. So... Are you doing Othello in in current time? I mean, yes, it? it's a modern story set in the world of the Navy SEALs. Uh, Iago is played by Mary Chifa, who happens to be a relative yes. of mine, my daughter. Dumb, she uh, daughter. had done done Iago in a uh, Harlem Shakespeare Festival production last year, playing it as a man. Uh-huh. And every night she would think, "Gosh, wouldn't it be interesting in today's world if Iago was a woman?" and very close to Othello and they had done all these battles together and had been in all these campaigns and then was she was betrayed by him when he hires the perfect white heterosexual male hello and story uh, of my life but so there it, we're dealing well, on not. a lot of different levels and we're not doing just multicultural or colorblind casting we're doing what we call color conscious casting our Desdemona's Asian descent her father's a conservative Asian senator from California mm-hmm. and so there are a lot of different levels that we can discuss you know all of the character flaws the right. jealousy and greed and pride and PTSD and there's a lot of humor in it. Believe it or not, it's a tragedy. But, you know, Shakespeare's funny and Iago's very funny, very sarcastic. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, House of Cards in a way. Right, you know, how you, ironic. You yeah. get in that ironic humor. Uh-huh. You get in the mind of Iago and you see the humor in it, even though, of course, it ends very tragically. But I hope that we'll have a um, project-based learning for schools is the big goal so that they'll watch an episode and discuss it and then the kids will go off and create projects they'll create their own video or they'll do a sculpture or a painting or they'll have a dramatic presentation about the themes and uh, so of course it'll also be great for Shakespeare enthusiasts um, which which I am totally I just love any kind of Shakespeare even when it's not good it's so much fun to just hear the language and to they didn't use women a lot he did not no. use much. So it's great to be able to take that material and adapt it for really makes you hear 51% it a different way. or more of the world's population. Yeah. A little underserved, I might add. A little underserved. Yeah, well, I think is... we'll please you very much. Oh, because... well, good, because I'm yeah, sort of annoyed. Now, this is Women's History Month. Are there any women out there that have really inspired you, Beth? Oh, gosh. Um, yes. 
I mean, so many. Marie Curie, when I was a little girl, uh, I just, Madame Curie, I just loved her so much and was so impressed that she sacrificed her life she did for science in, in search of truth and then Amelia Earhart I wanted to be named Amelia I loved Amelia Earhart's history so much as a little girl and um, you know my mother was a big hero to me because yeah. she was a champion of the ERA and civil rights in the mm. south she was very progressive southern woman uh, right in your face progressive southern woman and she was still very feminine extremely beautiful patrician look she'd put that hat on and put that lipstick on and go out there for her causes and her picture was always in the paper and as a kid you're going like oh god there's Stop, a picture Mom. again and she was always women's causes women's causes to the point that I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I remember her giving me now, materials from now. She did? Yeah, I still have a paperweight from the original now organization that she got. And she was, you know, the National Women's Club in Washington, D.C. She made me go there and go on the tour when we were in D.C. once. And so over time, though, of course, I became to, I started to appreciate and love and honor and uh, be so grateful to have a mom who was so outspoken and all those values even though I rebelled they start kicking in as you become an adult yeah. and you go oh right. I get it as, as she said to me once when she just a few weeks before she died she said I just wanted to be free and I thought right right that's it Don't just we all? to be free that's all we want right and oh, we're in America so we have that right one one would hope Okay, but let me just tell you, you know, I'm a feminist and I made a point of not learning to cook and not learning to type and all of those things. But I have to tell you, I actually had an experience recently where I cooked, which was a miracle, wasn't it, Ed? It was. I took a picture. It was extraordinary. But I did it because this company that we've been working with called HelloFresh delivered all the ingredients to the door. All I had to do was open the container that they came in. They gave you exact specific directions on how to make a meal. That is what this feminist needed. I got to tell you what HelloFresh is. It's a meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun, easy, and convenient. We really love HelloFresh because they believe that everyone deserves honest, natural, delicious, healthy food. Certainly a belief that we share here at Begley Ash. And each week, HelloFresh creates a new delicious recipe with step-by-step instructions. Very important for me, I might add. Let me tell you how they do it. The the recipes are set up so that anyone can make a delicious and nutritious home-cooked meal in 30 minutes. Isn't that unbelievable? Just 30 minutes, honey. I know, even me. you got to try this. I did it. I did it. I actually did it. It was amazing. HelloFresh sources the freshest ingredients measured to the exact exact quantities needed so there's no food waste. That's how I was able to do it. Everything's delivered to your doorstep in a special insulated box. So so we've teamed up with HelloFresh and they're uh, offering our listeners $35 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code GOGREEN. You guys should definitely check it out. We've really enjoyed the meals HelloFresh sent to us. What is that one meal that I really like? That vegetable pie that was so good. The shepherd's pie. Shepherd's pie. That was delicious. And it was easy. That's the thing. I I don't like to cook because it's just too many steps. It's too complicated. I don't know if the measurements are right. I don't know. You know, and so what they do is they give you one carrot, one onion. So there's no question. You aren't going to use two carrots. You're going to use one carrot. Chop it up and put it in and make the meal, and it turned out really nice. It was amazing. (laughs) I think it's a brilliant idea. Go to HelloFresh.com. Use the code GOGREEN to get $35 off your first week of deliveries. See, you can be a feminist and cook, That's honey. right. You know, we're lucky enough to know Gloria Steinem through our friend Kathy Jimmy, and 
That's we just saw her the other day. Yeah, oh, how wonderful. Uh, birthday, yes. Yeah, I was able to tell her that you know uh, someone had told me that their Mount Rushmore, who was on their Mount Rushmore, and I was like, wow. And they mentioned this woman to me, uh, mentioned all these men, and I'm thinking, if my Mount Rushmore actually there wouldn't be any men, uh, there would be not because. They just, these are the people that have influenced me. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, Gloria Steinem being one of them. And yeah. then the very next day, I get to tell her personally that. It was really cool. Oh, that's wonderful. I know, there's this article in the LA Times, New York Times that she just wrote about chick flicks, about how women are portrayed in Hollywood as we... That's a topic for a whole nother... Good for her. Well, you know, her one of her dear friends, Kathy Geiswhite, is my best friend, actually. Really? And she had an article recently in the New York Times as well talking about how she didn't want to be an activist. She was tossing and turning in her, the bed thinking, I don't want to have to do anything. And then she got up. It was right after Mary Tyler Moore had passed away. And she marched in and sat her daughter down and instructed her about the women's movement. And there were things that she had never told her daughter. Like, for instance, when I went to college, my freshman year, women couldn't wear pants on campus. And no, wow. isn't Can you that imagine? Why? I remember. We had to I wear remember. skirts. We could wear pants if we were on our way to an art class or a, a PE <laughs> class. <laughs> but you had to wear a raincoat over it. Oh, my God. I mean, that's the way it was. 1967. Yeah. Uh, of course, things have changed quite a bit. And as soon as I, the hippies arrived, I was the first one out in the mall. You know? I was like, yeah. And they look like they're having a better time yeah. than I'm having in my girdle. Yeah. So, <laughs> I remember doing a chalk-in on the sidewalk, ban the bra, which wow. it doesn't sound like much. But back then, that was a very crazy and wild thing to do. You just never know what you got until, yeah. yeah. I mean, these young people today, they don't get it. And they're like, there's no need for a feminist movement. We're free. Yeah. Uh, no. We have to educate them. We have to educate our daughters and Mm -hmm. help them to tell their friends and, you know, understand the history. Have you experienced gender inequality in the entertainment industry? Is is it something? Oh, good grief. Beyond measure. I mean, I, I work on my attitude every single day. I pray. I meditate. I take good care of myself, I eat well, I walk, you know, and I try to always have positive thoughts, and I'm an optimist, for sure. But, you know, this VR business is, the technical people are, it's like... VR meaning virtual virtual reality. reality. Uh, I've been to a few of these events, and I introduced my co-producer, who's a 25-year-old guy, and the next thing I know, they're talking directly to him. They're not making eye contact with me. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I'm the 67-year-old woman who's done 200 movies and TV shows. This is a kid that's two years out of college, and you're directing all of your attention to him. Now, I happen to like him. He's a great co-producer, and yeah. he is very smart. So right. it's, it's, But we were leaving this one thing. I said, did you notice what happened? And he, of course, didn't notice because... You have to let people know. So how do you do it in a nice way? You know, how do you mm-hmm. tell people? I don't know yet. I'm still discovering those ways because my husband says it's not what you say, it's how you say it. I know. That's so I do think there's something to that that I need to learn to be able to say it in a gentle lovely way why not i know it's annoying that we have to do that but i guess it is true and i guess you know i would rather hear it in a nice lovely way I from know, someone I know. truthfully okay, you right. know can you so. pipe down for a second i'm talking about there honey let me just say that again what you said because i'd like to learn how to do that i think that would be helpful to me yeah okay for sure but yeah over the years i've, I've had a love-hate relationship with producing my whole career i started producing in new york when i was 22 produced an off-broadway show romulus lenny played called Holy Ghosts and everybody knows him now as Laura Linney's father but at the time oh, he was quite that. a prominent wow. playwright in right, New York right. and 
it's, uh, you know, I can't, I'm not blaming society. I would always back down. And I think that's one reason a lot of women haven't continued as directors and producers is because you go, you know what? It's not worth it. Right. I might as well be an actress that I love more than anything than go through the grief of it. And so, you know, I, I have no one to blame but me, but it's very hard to get on track. So I'll produce one thing and then I wait six years and then I'll say, oh, let me try and do this like this. The last time when I produced Blues for Willa Dean, I said, never again, <laughs> never mm. again. And then my daughter has these ideas about Othello and mm. we run into Julius at a party and we find out he's done Othello four times. And here's an African-American man, single dad who raised two kids. Wow. He was a juvenile parole officer. He sacrificed what was a very promising acting career to raise these Mm -hmm. kids. Fast forward, eventually he does get to L.A., starts working. He falls in love with his true love, Viola Davis. They build a life together. They build this company together. And I think, wait a minute. Okay, I got a chance to be of service to these artists who are trying to change the world, who have an agenda that I agree with and love. So let me try it one more time. Let me take the skills and the experience that I've had and see if I can be of service to them, be of service to my daughter, be of service to what we're trying to say in the play. So I'm in it again. But there are days, like that night at that party, I was like, oh, there they are again. There they go. Oh, and another thing happened that night. We went around the room and introduced ourselves and what company we represented and what our project was. And they literally skipped over me. Ah. They literally skipped over me. And then they skipped over another woman and uh, the next person said, oh, well, I thought she was just his date. Oh, boy. And so it turns out that she was engaged to him. But it turned out that she was like president of Technicolor or something. Right. So right. she had something to give to the evening. Right. And uh, so we had quite a big, we were laughing, but we were all calling attention to but, it. But yeah, absolutely. But it wasn't, but these are good guys. These are people that love women. These aren't. Women I haters. don't think that anyone hate. I mean, I, I'm sure there are many people that hate women, and I'm sure there are many women that hate men. But I think it really is a lack of aware. One is yeah, a huge lack of a, consciousness. Yeah, absolutely, that's all it is. And so, we as artists, it is our responsive. I think I feel very responsible in conscious raising. That is what our role is. I feel, you know, you Ed did it years ago with the environment and that was your yep. thing and you know my thing early on was feminism and women's issues and then you know ed of course derailed me no i'm kidding that would be so funny wouldn't that be that's ironic isn't it <laughs> if i forbade you to do it it will not be <laughs> like that, well, that would work you know that's that. how i remember meeting rochelle was we did that movie all women there were no men in that movie right Eating, no, no we, we did a movie. That's and right. it was about eating disorders. Now, who wants to go see a movie about a bunch of women worried about how much weight they're going to gain and not being able to eat a piece of cake? But it really other women who have the same issue. But yeah, it turned out I think it's as big as hit <laughs> today. Absolutely, so. he had sure. one man on the set. This is we're talking about uh, this movie we did eating in um, the eighties. When did you do in it? In the late eighties, it was called yeah. Eating, and it was Henry Jaglum, the filmmaker, and he had a one man who was on the set, and it was uh, a, the sound engineer. Ah, do you remember that? Yes. One now day I the do. sound engineer got really pissed and threw his sound equipment. Oh my god! <laughs> I just was, remember. Who was he mad at? I can only imagine. Well, it wasn't me. <laughs> no, no, I know. It was the other you. man. There was. You three were very men. well behaved on that movie. As I, I was. I was well, sort of. Um. I think that what I really want to focus on is purpose-filled lives in our in our mm-hmm. when we talk to 
to our artist friends. Isn't or, that the key to happiness? I think it is. I think so. Because if we just focus on getting and achieving and strive, I mean, what never is that? Enough. Never enough. Never enough. Empty bag. That's what Ted Turner said. Success is an empty bag. And if he can say that, you know. He knows. For sure. <laughs> you know. And being of service is the one surefire cure for happiness. If you're in a bad mood, go out and do something for somebody else and you're going to feel better. Look, see, it's just practical. Last year I was invited to they have a, an event called I Love Skid Row. And someone invited me to come and I thought, oh, this is something I should do. I should take mm-hmm. my daughter to be, tell the truth. I was dreading it. I yeah, thought, of course. I don't want to go down uh-huh. there. And we got all our clothes and we donated clothes and we organized it and we're driving down then the whole way I'm dreading, dreading, dreading. And they'd given us a sheet of rules. Mm-hmm. And one of the rules was, and if you want to hug someone, be sure and ask permission first. And I thought, hug someone? <laughs> I'm not going to be hugging anybody. Well, you can guess the end of the story. Yeah. So we get there and we're waiting in line and the People are about to be let in to get the clothes that they want mm-hmm. to choose. And um, I'm already starting to get tears in my eyes and get moved because what do I see? I see human beings. Mm-hmm. I don't see Skid Row. I see human beings. Right. And I had donated this one suede jacket that I love so much, but I hadn't worn it in 20 years. And I was reluctant to donate mm-hmm. it. I was like, oh, I don't want to donate this. And sure enough, we're standing there and this woman behind me says, oh, see that jacket there? Can I have that jacket? Can I get that jacket? And I said, that jacket? It was my jacket. Mm -hmm. So I reached over and I got it. I gave it to her and her eyes lit up. And I said, I have to tell you, this is my jacket. I donated this. And she started to cry and she hugged me. And it meant so much to her that it came from me to her. But by the end of the day, I... Let, I was the last one to leave. Mm-hmm. I was high as a kite. I adopted a puppy not that literally night. High as a no, kite. Not, no, no, <laughs> high from love and yeah. people, and mm. realizing the the humanity of all of us. We're all the same. Right. We're all human beings, and the main thing we want mm-hmm. is love. So that's the cure. You know, if you want to feel better, go do something for somebody else. I You're going to feel better. And and another point he made is about this reluctance. The word reluctant. Yes, I I always call myself the reluctant environmentalist I am <laughs> reluctant because it's not easy now does that mean I stop myself and not do it most of the time I do it I do it anyway am I reluctant am I you know oh it's inconvenient right. hence this inconvenient truth but there's not a lot of it that's inconvenient or difficult at this point is no. it now that we got no, it no, all no. dialed in no okay. it isn't but in the beginning it was I mean you know and so big it changes takes us people you know, those people, to, first you have to bring awareness to the problem, and then they have to address the problem. And, right. you know, the truth is, I would just as soon watch television now as do anything. You know, there's so many good <laughs> things on TV, I never want to go out of the house. Like Beth says, though, you, you make that leap and you do it. There's been events that I've gone out to in the past two weeks. I went, oh, honey, I don't want to go. And I come back and I say, that was such a good event. It was so wonderful. Mm-hmm. I got so much out of it. I got more than I gave, and I'm so glad I went. And yeah. it's not always about the environment. Some other thing that's a secondary or third tier issue for me, but I go and I do it. And it's very important to do those things. Get out of your comfort zone sometime yep. and be generous and give. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Puts pep in your step. Yeah. really does. You know, and, and the stories that we tell, the documentaries that we see, the, the TV that we watch that 
that, that inspires us. It's, it brings up, you know, it highlights a problem like inconvenient truth, you know, mm-hmm. that highlighted a problem and that got, I'm sure got a lot of people interested in, in knowing that they needed to do something. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what, you have any recommendations of movies or documentaries that you've seen that inspired you? Oh my goodness. All of them this year. Um, you know, I am not your Negro 13, all the ones that were nominated for Academy Awards mm-hmm. were amazing I you know I'm also now this is new for me because of these documentaries very interested in the situation in Syria and the refugees and I had never really understood what it was like to be a refugee I would hear about I mean even when I was a little girl I remember the Armenian refugees and I remember Mm -hmm. there was a comic strip called Dandi remember that Dandi I remember it very well I used to read it right he He was was a a refugee refugee that a soldier had taken in to America and I was always uh, fascinated with him but I that's the only personalization I had had and now I've seen these documentaries where they shoot in Aleppo and then they show mm. some of the happy the white hats. Remember that one? The that white was, hats. Yeah. Beautiful. These are people that are not even, I mean, now they have some training as rescue workers, but these are just regular guys. One of them's a real estate person, one of them's a butcher, but they live in this situation. And so they train themselves. They find out how to be rescue workers. And every single day, their lives are in danger. And they go out, what bravery, what incredible. But I, but also it, it goes back to what you were saying is being of service, because without that being of service element, they'd be, who could move? I mean, it'd be devastating. They'd just give up. They, you know, it would be too depressing to continue on. So you just do what's in front of you. You take action, you know? Yeah. And these refugees have so much to give. In Germany, there were towns that were dying out because there were no young people. And so they've moved these refugees into these towns. Yeah. And they give them an allowance and they give them a house for a year or so to get them situated. And they revitalize the communities. And uh, it's working in some areas. But you know what? That is not, uh, that's not the picture that it's portrayed necessarily, you know, by these by some of our government or some, you know, they portray something. Well, immigrants and, you know, refugees, we have to be aware. We have to be, you know, frightened of them. We, you know, all of that. And so I'm very impressed to hear that because I didn't know that about Germantown. That yeah, well, they, they, I was trying to think of which documentary, which, oh, Watani, My Homeland uh-huh. is the one where they the family leaves Aleppo and they are... Uh, placed in Germany in this town. This has a beautiful story, but they are living in a war zone. Wow. And then they finally are able to get out and they go to Germany where they are loved and received and become, you know, productive citizens and are so grateful and come into the 21st century, really. So, I mean, documentaries are fantastic. Yeah. No, I, they're vital, actually. And what but we, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it is scary, people that are different than we are. It is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we just have to get past it. Like you said, even if you're reluctant, you do it anyway. And somebody scares you. I remember there was a Muslim AD on a movie that I shot. I was just trying to think. I think it was actually consumed. Oh, my God. And she was my driver. And she had this dilapidated car, and you know, we were riding around, and I got to know her. And the first day they said, this is your driver, I hesitated slightly. I mean, of course I didn't reject her Was she in a headscarf or anything? Oh, okay. And, uh, but then we got to know each other because she picked me up, she drove me around, and in this funny old car, and I found out about her dreams and her aspirations, and 
you know, who she was as a human being. And that's all it takes is one conversation. Right. That's the truth. Because we're all in this together, whether we like it or not. We're yeah. all in this together. You know, and that that goes back to, you know, I remember talking to <laughs> about 22, three years ago to Don Henley. I, one of our first dates with Ed, um, one of my first dates with Ed, rather, not our, because I don't think you were there, Beth. But um, one <laughs> of my first... I was. <laughs> Always there <laughs> spirit, with Ed. <laughs> baby. Um, but I, we went to dinner, and his soon-to-be future wife, his wife, and me, not soon-to-be, because it took seven years for us before we got married. But um, Ed and I, so I'm talking There's still to a lot of bitterness there, Beth, you can tell. <laughs> she, still, she won't let go of that one. But it took me seven years. Why didn't quick. you pop the question, Miss Feminist? I think I had a baby first. Anyway, but another story. Um, and in any case, we were talking, and of course, I'm provocative, and I was, you know, a feminist. I'm feminist issues, and I was thinking of poverty and, you know, war and, you know, all of those kinds of issues versus the environment. And I said, well, you know, you and me being the provocateur, is that the right word? Provocateur. Provocateur. Thank you, Henry <laughs> Higgins. Um, being that persona um i said to them you know well it's really you know easy for you guys you know you rich famous men to be you know environmentalists but the rest of us peons on this planet hello uh, the rest of us peons on this planet just to exist and you, i don't i didn't say it quite like that or they really oh yeah you talked did to, oh i did okay anyway <laughs> but, but Donna, not what you say it's how, how you, you say, say it. it that's a lesson hard learned anyway um don made a very good point and he said you know without the environment we have nothing we have nothing so we can talk these are mm -hmm. luxuries but if we have no planet we have no environment we can't breathe we can't drink the water we we have nothing so it's, it was sort of like oh okay you have a point him she listened to me i've been saying the same thing for years it's like what i don't even hear the words you're saying well, I'm moving your mouth. Blah, 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 he blah, was blah. an eagle so yeah, he exactly. is an eagle he is very persuasive <laughs> you know did you ever read those books the berenstain bears do you no. remember those little books yeah i do they're great kids books and we had all of them for my daughter and one of them was about the environment and they went to visit the scientists at the college to find out about the environment and how to save the environment and he said oh no no we're saving the human race. Right. right. The world will go on. Right. And it will reinvent itself. It's right. the human race that's at stake. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, Berenstain Bears, what a lesson. I never thought of it that way. It's We're not true, doing true. it for the earth. The earth is going to keep going. That's right. People are derisive of the spotted owl or a whale or something saying, I wouldn't give away one California job for all the owls in the world. There are people that have said that. The fact is, to save your own species, you have to revere the web of life that keeps us all aloft, that keeps that supports us all. The web of life, I love there that is, phrase. There That's is a, exactly what we because are. we're losing so many pieces of it now, so many plant and animal species, and you have to wonder how many rivets can you lose from an airplane before it ceases to fly. Right. At some point, I don't know right. if it's three or twenty-three or one hundred and three, but at some point, the airplane will crash if you lose enough rivets. You know, the cockpit will start to come apart, and then yeah. that'll you'll go down. So we're losing a lot of plant and animal species, but we can change that. We can do our part to make a difference. And there's so many things people can do. And I know you've employed a lot of that stuff in your life, and we have here too. And I want to remind our listeners, start small. Don't get overwhelmed by the scope of the problems. Mm. And more importantly, don't get overwhelmed by the scope of the solutions. You know, there's so many things to choose from. Do the cheap and easy stuff you can do today. The light bulbs, the thermostat, you know. I did the cheap and easy. I married Ed. That exactly. was cheap. <laughs> And 
I don't know about easy. It's an interesting list of things you can't do. People say, well, I can't afford a Nissan Leaf, and I can't afford nine kilowatts of solar. Neither could I when I started. Do I still don't know what nine kilowatts means, but go ahead. It's enough to run a house if you didn't have blow dryers on all the time. (laughs) Because of you, we have a small electric bill is what I'm Mm. saying. It's basically all your fault. Mm -hmm. No, but but you do what you can. You turn the water off. Exactly. Don't let the water run. That's true. When I started, I couldn't afford one kilowatt of solar. I couldn't afford any of that stuff, let alone... You know, Nissan Leaf, I couldn't afford any kind of electric car other than a, a little putt-putt that was at a, a tiller. So you start small and you build, and that's what people can do. And I urge everybody to consider that and do something like Beth and Michael did, like Rochelle and I have done. Start and do something today. You know, I'm, I'm reading something that I didn't even know about you, Beth. You know, about um, when you were younger, you campaigned for JFK at 11. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were a page in the North Carolina Senate, and you worked on Jimmy Carter's campaign. You were a page in the North Carolina Senate? I was, but at the time, we were called pagettes, (laughs) because the girls were pagettes, and the boys, now they're just pages. Did Did you have to wear a skirt? Uh, Of course. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it was thrilling. It was, um, in fact, we had an environmental issue in terms of uh, the Scottish skunk was endangered, and we made it the state. Uh, shell, so that did we have Scottish conks on the east on the east yeah, coast? Okay. But not many. Okay. And they, yeah, I wonder where how that stands now. But I had forgotten all about that. I remember mm. it was my first actual taste. Well, that and Lady Bird Johnson, and you know she was the first environmentalist. She was nationally. I mean, she started talking about beautifying America. Everybody made fun of her, but that's what she was talking about. And you go to Texas now, and all those beautiful the blue bonnets. Yeah. Oh, Fabulous, and that was Lady Bird. So that same who era, you played in Jackie, who I was honored played to play. Amazing, oh thank you. I had always wanted to play her. My mom had tea with her when Kennedy was running for office. Rose Kennedy and uh, Lady Bird came to town, and John Kennedy. I never met him, but uh, Mama had us positioned on the certain corner when he rode by, and he did wave at me, and I waved at him, <laughs> and uh, I was just I was eleven years old, and I was handing out pamphlets at school, and. I remember a a fight broke out in the classroom. One little boy said, well, my daddy's not voting for him because he's Catholic. And the little Catholic boy jumped up and popped him right in the (laughs) nose. And so my teacher's like, oh, oh, this isn't good. Uh, And the day I stayed up all night of the election, and it wasn't until the sun came up that they declared Kennedy is the president. Wow. And uh, I remember I'd gotten some hand-me-down clothes from a beauty queen that lived next door, and she'd give me some falsies, bras, mm-hmm. that, that back then, those little pointy pointed ones. Pointed ones, yeah. And I put on those pointed brassiere and a tight sweater and a tight skirt, and I put my hair in a French twist at, at, in sixth grade, and I went to school. I got there early. I was walking all <laughs> that day that we had won. <laughs> So we were, yeah, big fans of the Kennedys. And then later, uh, also the Johnsons. I know people, all these characters are very controversial, and nobody's perfect. Everybody has their flaws. But LBJ got all of that legislation through. Civil rights legislation. That Kennedy had dreamed of. You know, he got it done. So, you know, we loved him, too. I was very lucky to have the mom that I had. Um, I hope my daughter says that one day. Oh, she absolutely will. She absolutely will. But we also passed, when I was there for two weeks in the Senate, we passed the first safety belt legislation really that really? it was required that, that those were the two things that happened those two weeks i was there and it was thrilling well, you made a big impact on politics you think about going back into it maybe <laughs> we need i've your- thought about it more than you can imagine really? i've thought about moving back to north carolina and establishing myself there and then 
running for office. Uh, you know, I've thought about it many, many times, actually. But I think I just don't have the energy. But I certainly have supported candidates mm-hmm. there. Uh, Roy Cooper, the new governor, I'm very proud of him. I really like him, and I supported him in the campaign. And, um, yeah, it's tempting sometimes. But it's, uh, I don't know if I'm really cut out for it, but I think I'm very good at supporting others. I know. I, I think I've asked, people have asked Ed to go into politics. Oh, and I know. I wish you would. I know. But in a God second. Know. But I think it takes a certain kind of person because half of the people are going to hate you no matter what you say. Even yeah. if you're on your, the right side, they yeah. just, you know, they're Republican or they're Democrat and they're just going to stay on their party. So it yeah. takes a... A lot of my friends in the South are Republicans. And, and you know, I love I know. these human beings. I love them. But we really disagree. And we've always just agreed to not discuss it. But I the know. way things are now, it's kind of like you have to talk about it. Right. So it's a very delicate situation. Even Republicans don't even know what's going on. So, yeah. you know, um, speaking of politics, is, uh, this episode is going out on March 7th, which is an election day for all of you in Los oh, Angeles. Get out and vote. Get out and vote. So if you're registered. That's the big shame. Yeah. 70 million people didn't vote in the presidential that election. Is, That's I voted every time since I was 21. Every you. single election. I haven't missed a, a local. Never. Forget about just the general election. You know, I, I've made all the... The small, the primaries, wow. all of it. I haven't missed an election. The ever. things that Fantastic. we take for granted, that mm-hmm. places around the world, they would—they're dying, literally, literally dying, dying. For there's genocide yeah. happening, yeah. and they would give anything to be able to vote and have a voice. I know. So I know. I always get my heart always beats a little faster when I go in there. And yeah. I remember when Mary was a baby, I couldn't wait to take her in. You know, yeah. when I went in to vote, and I remember the very first time I voted in New York City. I think it was 76th Street between Amsterdam and Columbus. There was a school there. And, oh, I just was, I'm voting. Just a thrill. I voted for McGovern, 1972. That was the first time. Mine was Jimmy Carter, who you campaigned for. I sure did. Oh, and I I love that man. Oh, he was the best. He is still the best. He's still going strong. And their foundation, his foundation has done so much for so many and they've almost eradicated that worm, you know. The know. Rip. Yeah, what is that worm? Uh, Ginji worm or Gunji or something I in think Africa. that's it, yeah. Something like that. And it, it, the guinea or... They, they're waiting now, but there hasn't been one reported for over a year. And if it goes another year, they can say it's eradicated. That's just... And nobody wants to deal with that kind of subject, you know, but Jimmy Carter did. And Got yeah, it. he... Great, great guy. And, you know, speaking of domestic violence, my cousin was on his board at the foundation, and he his last book was about uh, women. It sure was. And he said the number one problem in the world is not, in, not any of the wars, not even the environment. Mm-hmm. It's a violence against women. Yep. And that so much of the, the posturing of these different groups has to do with that. The fear that they must experience. What's a female energy well, do? Well, we're going to take care of the environment for yeah. one thing. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to make them clean it up. I mean, that's it's what we represent right. and, and our uh, Mother Earth nature, mm-hmm. you know, our desire to take care of. It'd be very different. Well, if we speaking were in- of the, you know, I mean, the EPA is now getting rolled back. So it's, a lot of our regulations oh, that were put in place are now going to be overturned. And so we individuals have to take it upon ourselves with personal responsibility it's you know big daddy or you know the government is not necessarily going to be watching out for us so it is a call to you know it's a call to arms more than ever yeah you know but like ed said we don't have to get overwhelmed 
we just do today what we can do today just turn off the faucet today turn off the lights today your unique self and you know one thing about you beth is you are unique you're unique in every area. You're from your accent to who you are, and you know. In other interviews you've done, um, you've been asked why you know from agents to casting directors told you didn't you needed to change your physical <laughs> appearance or you know dieting and all that. What is your uh, advice to people out there who think they're not right just the way they are? I guess that's really the question. Well, it is. It's. I, I think we all. You know, the grass is always greener. We compare our insides to other people's outsides. I think when we compare insides to insides, we're all the same. Right. Uh, But it took me a long time to learn that, and it's still a a daily thing for me. I have to work on it. I see my daughter's generation. She's 24. Your daughter, Hayden. Mm -hmm. I think they're coming along with a greater sense that it's okay to be exactly who they are. I hope that's true. I don't necessarily know that from my daughter. I feel like the sins of the mother have sort of fallen on. You know, because of, like, uh, Snapchat and uh, Instagram, you can instantly keep comparing your looks to other people, you know? So there's still a lot of external focus. I mean, being healthy... Yeah, that's. But then look at Lena Dunham, you know, yeah, exotic woman, butt naked on HBO and proud of it. And you know, some people were sort of shocked. I thought, good for her. Mm-hmm. You know, I th- I'm all for it. I think, it, you know, I did a nude scene last year. Hello. And uh, I didn't know I was going to do a nude scene. I knew I was. I worked with James Franco a few times, and I had ash- actually requested a sex scene. And as I lay dying, I played Addie Bundren because there was a flashback of when I was young and had had this affair with this minister, and I really wanted to do it. And I said, what, I, I have this very specific, is this an R-rated show? Can I talk about oh, anything? Oh, you can talk about anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I really wanted to show that she was so suppressed by this ugly, mean husband, and I wanted to show that this preacher that she fell in love with, she was free. And I, I said to James, I said, I just want to do it, and you can shoot way far away, and I just think that she should you know, be on top and her blouse open and her arms spread out and she should just be free and happy and you should see the difference in mm-hmm. these two men and why she did what she did. And so he said, not in this movie. <laughs> so he had the scene in a traditional way with an extra fine. And so he called me up. They, we were doing The Long Home, directed, I mean, uh, written by William Gay. And he called me up and he said, I got that sex scene for you. <laughs> so I to play I played Josh Husserson's mom in this you movie. You did and Ed plays his dad now. Yeah. 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 I'm oh. playing his dad right now. Oh, I love Josh. What a great kid Isn't he is. Isn't he a great kid? So talented, so nice. So talented and wonderful and his father's great. Good guy. Oh, yeah. is that the series on Hulu? Hulu, yes. Wonderful. What's the name of that series? It's called Future Man. Future Man. Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are the producers and they directed several. Oh, that's fabulous. Seth's an old friend. I love Seth. Seth had a tiny little part in Donnie Darko. He and, did? Yeah. Oh, how funny. And when James was doing Pineapple Express, I heard his name. And I said, James, is that that kid that was in Donnie Darko? And he said, that's the guy. Well, two weeks later, <laughs> everyone yeah. knew who Seth Rogen was. Yeah. But uh, what a what a wonderful company to be working with. And who I'm very lucky. My network on the Mindy Project. That's right. So we are... Uh, brother and sister on the Once same again, network. Hulu, Hulu. Hulu, Hulu. Well, and like now it. what are you working on? You're working on something now. Uh, I'm getting ready to go do a sci-fi movie about uh, the danger of drones and crops. And the drones run amok. 
Mm. And, uh, yep, not good things happen to the farmers who use the drones. And without giving away the plot, it's called The Region. But it definitely, that is one of the reasons well, I took it, the movie. Because it, it, I guess, I don't even know the plot, but I would imagine a drone gets you disconnected from the earth. Whereas if you're a farmer, I'm trying to pull it back to the environment. But it does. No, but I mean, it is about true, that. Right? Yeah, they're zapping the ladybugs in this movie. And then they show an aisle with, you know, all these beautiful vegetables and fruits. And then there's tiny little shelf of non-GMO shriveled up vegetables. <laughs> and you think, gosh, which one are most people going to buy? So, yeah, I'm doing another movie that I hope will Great. make a little bit of a difference. And w- written by a woman. Yay. Who's also starring in it. So How God do we bless follow her. you on social media? Oh, thank you for asking. Beth Grant, actor. I didn't put the real Beth Grant because there are a lot of Beth Grants out there, and mm-hmm. I didn't think wow. I was any more real than they were. So mm-hmm. I, I put <laughs> so Beth, Beth Grant actor, but then some people think I'm trying to act hot or something. But to me, that's a job. Yeah. I'm a yeoman actor. I'm a working actor. Me too. That's the I best wish way I was a working actor. You are a working actor. I'm working at it. You're working it right now, honey. I'm working it, baby. But, you know, I guess, you know, you just sort of ride the train the, in the direction it goes, yeah. and this is what I'm doing for today. We're and, all in this together right yeah. yeah but you have been an inspiration for and me and you know you're one of my favorites i think that rochelle carson do you use rochelle carson or rochelle carson begley rochelle carson begley depending on if i need someone who cares about the last name but normally they don't so yeah but i, I use chifo sometimes too sometimes yeah. i'm beth grant chifo and then sometimes i'm just beth grant yeah rochelle carson i was named after rachel carson the mother of the environmental movement so i sort of am, oh am, wow yeah so well that's what hooked you huh yeah oh so, yeah <laughs> yeah he didn't even know but i i, I didn't want to disrupt uh, interrupt your uh, you're actually going to give me a compliment well i was going to give you a compliment and i will any day you need one give me a call <laughs> I just think you're one of the most naturally funny people I've ever met in my oh. life. And you're you're sarcastic without being cruel. Without being cruel, Ed, see? Which I, I mean, maybe you're cruel to him. I am. I'm yeah, very, she's but plenty cool She is me. cruel to you. But, <laughs> but it, I love being around you. Oh. And then my favorite story about Rochelle was uh, when I was in Atlanta shooting In Dubious Battle that James Franco directed. And I needed a friend very much, and she came over to the hotel, took a meeting with me, a business meeting I was very nervous about, then uh, took me to another business meeting, then she came up to my room and put an audition on tape for me. She spent the entire afternoon and evening with me. It was a pleasure. She was like an angel floating in from outer space. I couldn't believe it, and I thank you for that once again. We were just there at the um, same time. And you make me laugh, and I just love it more than anything. If we didn't have laughter, I don't know. But the two of you are very special gifts to this community and to this country and to this world. And I'd always do anything for you. And thank you. And keep up the good work. Thank you. And Michael, too, Beth. Thank you. Thank you. We love you and your family. And, you know, we're going to see a lot of your adventures, especially this this one with Mary and, you know, your daughter Mary and and that wonderfully unknown actress, Viola Davis. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Boy. Her company is, uh, they're really uh, thinking the right way. They want opportunity to people who normally wouldn't have it. Um, yeah. Amen. Well, thank you so, so much for coming and you. spending your afternoon with us. Thank you for inviting we me. Love I love you. you both so much. You too, Beth. Beth, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us and our listeners. We have a few key takeaways that really stuck out. Number one, the key to happiness is having a purpose-filled life. Number two, go do something for somebody else. Get high off that love. Number three, even if you're reluctant to do something, do it anyway. 
Get out of your comfort zone and try it out. Number four, get to know someone as a human being. All it takes is one conversation. Number five, we're not just trying to save the planet. We're trying to save the human race. We're all in this together. And number six, don't get overwhelmed. Just do one thing today. So that wraps up our episode for this week. Remember to subscribe to Begley-esque on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And be sure to give us a rating and a review. It really helps out. Do a little, do a lot. Just do something today and tell us what you did. Thank you to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer, Emma Kikuchi. This podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info and advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. Have a great week, everyone, and thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye.